Welcome to the True North Podcast. This podcast is about navigating through today's culture in the direction that lands at the heart of God. Let's go. You are my champion. I can't, I can't stop it. Giants fall in, you stand undefeated. Mm. Every battle you won I am who you say I am You crown me with confidence You crown me with confidence Makes me think of when we read in Luke chapter 15 Where the father said give him my robe And the seal of sonship The proof that he is my son The proof that we are God's children Put the crown you crown me with confidence didn't crown us with insecurity therefore if you're walking insecure that means that you've taken off the crown you're taking that crown of confidence off and I love it because it's a crown of confidence not a breastplate of confidence it's not a it's not a shin guard of confidence it's not a shoe of confidence it's a crown why because if you can get it in your mind whose you are the rest of your body the rest of your life will operate off of how you see why? Because your see the way you see it's it's right here. The way you filter life it's it's right here. Crown me with confidence, I am seated in the heavenly place, undefeated with the one who has conquered it all. Mm. Does anybody feel that this morning? Amen. Lindsay, I don't know how to explain it. Me neither. And guess what? A lot of times you don't need to explain it. You just need to know that, okay, that's God. God, what you, that, that's you. There was a day this week where we, ha- we had a decision to make, and Kelsey been after me, been after me, and I'm one of those that I'm, you know, I take my time, da, da, da. It's like, you need, to, you need to pray and ask God what the decision is. So I remember praying, and I remember going in the living room, and I'm like, God, I don't, listen, I, and I was very frank when I said, Lord, you heard Kelsey when she told me. I said, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to echo to you what my wife said. I said, Lord, she said we need to da 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 this is what we, So this is what I'm bringing before you, Lord. What do we need to do? And I remember as I'm just sitting there, just begin to pray in the Holy Spirit, just begin to kind of close my eyes. <clears throat> Cohen was asleep, so it was the perfect time. And I just remember I, all of a sudden just his peace. His peace was already in the room, but finally when I locked in, I was aware of what, was already, what I was already surrounded by. I was like, oh, God, I can't explain this, but I know it's you. Lord, I can't explain it. I can't put my foot on it. I can't describe it, but I know it's you. When you know it's God, it's God. When it's God, you know it's God. There, there's some things in life you, do, you, you can't explain, but you know it beyond a shadow of a doubt. We need to walk in that type of confidence. When we make a decision, I, I know that God is behind me. I know God is backing me. I know God is leading me in this venture. I know God is leading me in this relationship. I know God is leading me on this job. I know God is leading me down this road. I know God is leading me with these kids. I know God is leading me in my family. I know God is leading me in this community. I know God is leading me in this church. I know, I know, I know, I know. Crown me with confidence. Come on, Lindsay. Get to the notes. Crown me with confidence, I'm seated. Mm. Woo, hey. He's good, amen? amen? Hallelujah. If you have a Bible, we're going to try to do this. We're going to try to do this. Lord, I thank you. We don't move from you, but we move with you. 
Holy Spirit, we move with you. We move with you. Let the words of my heart, the meditation of my, uh, let the let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. I know they are, Lord. I know they are. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Today is Palm Sunday. Somebody say Palm Sunday. So if you don't know what Palm Sunday is, it's totally okay. I'll explain it very briefly. You know, normally it's the tradition we're going, you know, we preach about the the palm leaves and the significance and the branches and all these different things. And there is, there's great stuff. I I don't have that for you today. You know, if you, if you, if you're interested in that, I know mom, mom uh, used to, when I was a kid, I remember mom used to uh, teach on that and I loved it. I loved it as a kid because I never saw the significance of a palm tree. And I remember uh, we was living in Florida. It was last year, Palm Sunday of last year. It hit me. It hit me. I was like, oh, my God, Kelsey. She's like, what? I said, we live near palm trees. That is Palm Sunday. She's like, you just realized that. I was like, I just never thought of it. You know, I was about my own life, working, taking care of kids, working, doing all the different things. It just never hit me. And uh, but I will I will say this something the Lord told me in prayer this week. As far as for today, that God and I said it Wednesday night during the prep night, but I want to say it again. God is reshaping this church's identity individually and as a collective. God is reshaping our identity individually, the different people that are in here, the different people that will come. But also as a collective, he will he's reshaping this church's identity. He is reshaping our identity. He is reshaping our identity. This is what the Lord told me. He said, God, uh, I'm reshaping your identity into an identity that is reflective of Christ and all his glory. Not reflective of traditions nor trends. We are to look like Jesus, sound like Jesus, talk like him, think like him, echo the heart of Abba like he did. We will be the collective that points all of creation true north to the heart of the Father. We will be the collective in this community that points everybody true north. What is true north? True north, literally back in the day when, when sailors would sail on the ships, and I don't know if you know this, but you know we rely on a compass to give us direction. Everybody understand what a compass is? You know? Here's the thing, though. A compass isn't 100% accurate, if you didn't know, because a compass relies on the magnetic fields that shift throughout the earth. So if a magnetic field shifts slightly, then guess what? The arrows on the compass will shift as well. And sailors, they understood this. They understood it to the point that they fully didn't rely on a compass because when they needed to, when they needed to uh, reset their direction, they would look in the sky at the North Star. Why? Because the North Star never moved. God hung the North Star where he did, and it's never moved. It stayed. It's, it, it's, it, it can't be shifted. It can't be swayed. It can't be jiggled around. It, it's, it's locked into position. And they called this the true North Star. So when sailors would sail true north, they would sail in a direction that was true and could not be moved, could not be swayed, could not be altered, and could not be distorted. We are going to be the group of people. We are going to be the, the collective that God is using to point people true north to Jesus. Lindsay, what are you saying, true north? I'm saying literally God is going to use us to show people how to get to Jesus in a, in a, in a uh, point, to, uh, point to Jesus in a direction that cannot be moved, that cannot be altered, that cannot be shaken, that cannot be distorted, that cannot be scared uh, with everything that's going on in the world that can't be swayed, that cannot be silenced by fear, by intimidation or, or insecurities. God is reshaping our identity to look and sound like Jesus. When, when he was telling me that, because my, my, my movie-like mind, I thought of the scene in Remember the Titans, you know, where uh, Denzel, Denzel's character, he tells the team, we'll be perfect in every aspect of the game. 
you miss a pass, you drop a mile. I remember at Kellen's first soccer game, you know, I was saying that under my breath. Miranda was laughing. She thought it was funny. Kelsey just looked at me, shook her head. But, you know, one of the kids missed, missed, the, missed the ball, and I was like, we will be perfect in every aspect of the game. You, you miss a kick, you run a mile. You know, <laughs> I don't even run a mile. <laughs> I don't run them all, so more like, you know, you miss a pass, no PJ mask, you know, no Paw Patrol for you, no Blaze, you know, no Disney Plus. Listen, it's bad when you turn on Disney Plus and the logo comes on and now Baby Cohen, he starts to smile. So that's, we got a problem now, evidently we got to adjust our screen times. But we are going to look like Jesus and sound like him. We're going to talk like him. We're going to think like him. We're going to echo the heart of Abba like he did. Amen. Amen. So if you have a Bible, we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 1 in the New Living Translation. If you don't, it's all good. God has blessed us with technology and we will use it for his glory. So we'll put the scriptures on the screen. That sounded really holy, but <laughs> as I was saying that, the, the left side of my brain was like, Glenn, you sound really holy right now. Blessing God for technology and use it for his glory. Yes, the TV, Shonda. But First Peter chapter will be in chapter 1. I'm, uh, I think I'm going to just read verse 2. You'll probably, uh, you might have to clear out the logo. <clears throat> for it. There you go. First Peter chapter 1, verse 2. In the New Living Translation, Peter says this. He says, God the Father, Abba knew you and chose you long ago, and his spirit has made you holy. As a result, you have obeyed him and have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more grace and peace. I love this. If you'll just keep it up for a minute. God the Father, Abba. Abba knew you and chose you long ago. I love that phrase because obviously, just like uh, it's very familiar. The fact that God chose us long ago, that phrase seems very familiar. If it does, if it seems familiar to you, then, uh, you know, let me, let me rewind. I said I was going to explain Palm Sunday, so let me explain Palm Sunday. All right. Sorry, listen, it's, it's there. I remember waking up this morning, and uh, as I was getting the boys ready, instantly just, um, uh, or when I was getting ready to feed them, and I was, uh, I was getting their drinks or something like that, I just felt the presence of God come in the kitchen. And then so I just began to sob. And Kenan's like, Daddy, why are you crying? Are you okay? I said, Yes, Daddy's great. I said, I said, do you I said, there is, I said, with Jesus, there is peace that comes with Jesus. I said, and right now, Daddy feels Jesus' peace. I said, it, it's not a bad thing that I'm crying. I said, it, it's I said, Kenan, it's so overwhelming that Daddy doesn't know what to do. So his body just cries. And I begin to lay my hands on both of them from the top of their head. And I, and I said, right now, and I begin to speak over their future. And I thought it was powerful because I, I've never experienced that. And, and I began to think about what today is. Today is Palm Sunday. And uh, 2,000 plus years ago, as the wheat started, as Jesus begins to enter into Jerusalem, the Bible says that they begin to lay uh, palm branches down onto the ground. And they began to praise him and worship him and all. And the you know, people cheered him as he began to enter into the town on top of a colt or a donkey. And, you know, we know this as Palm Sunday, but, you know, they didn't understand why they were why they were praising him and worshiping him and understand. But we understand now it's because that was the champion that was that was walking forth. 
you know, if you've ever watched a boxing match, you know, you see the you see the und, you see the undisputed heavyweight. I'm I'm not a big boxer fan. I like Rocky. That's about as much boxing boxing as I go. Rocky three, then four, and then uh, that's about it. And uh, but you know, I so I'm just going to reference them. But when Rocky he goes up to the ring, you know, he's walking up to it that that procedural march as he's marching up to the ring. You know, he has to go through the crowd and it's kind of like a snake as far as like he's going this way. It's never a straight line and all that. And everybody's cheering. That's what's going on with Jesus. The crowd is cheering on, but they don't fully understand why they're cheering on. But we understand it's because he is the champion. He's about to go to work. Everything that he had lived his life, his full his full life on the earth was about to be uh, about to all come to full fruition in that moment when he went to the cross. They didn't understand, but he understood that 2000 years later, guess what? We was going to have the opportunity to be able to sing to him. You are my champion. Giants fall when you stand undefeated. The rumors fall when you stand undefeated. The past mistakes, they fall when you stand undefeated. Mm. That's, that's, that's why this day is so mon monumental. Because this is the day that he began to do his march as he was walking, as he was going about. It. And, it gets, and it gets deeper and deeper. But understand, that's, that's just Palm Sunday in a nutshell. But back to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, the phrase, God, the father, Abba, he knew you and chose you long ago. This is very familiar because in Jeremiah 29, 11, we see that God, Abba, he, he knew us before we was in our mother's womb. Before you were in your mother's womb, Romans 8, verse 29 and 30, you don't have to turn that, I'm just going to say, but Romans 8, verse 29 and 30, Abba knew us in advance. He predestined us. He knew us in advance. Watch this. If you'll turn to Ephesians chapter one, verse four, I'm going to read it in the Passion Translation. Ephesians chapter one, verse four, Paul says something very similar. I won't break it down. Verse four, Paul says, and he chose us. Somebody say me. 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 He chose you and he chose us to be his very own, joining us to himself even before he laid the foundation of the universe. Because of his great love, he ordained us so that we would be seen as holy in his eyes with an, un with an unstained, what's that last word? Innocent. Oh, you better say it like, you, like it's you. What's that last word? Innocent. There you go. Say it with your chest one more time. <laughs> All right, mama. Felt like, <laughs> that, that was the version of mama I saw when she got ready to spank me. I'm just joking. <laughs> just joking. Just joking. Low key, not really. Blink twice if you're in trouble, you know. <laughs> but I love this because, and he chose us to be his very own. So understand this, in verse 4 in the, in the Greek, and the reason I always reference the Greek or the Hebrew, if you don't know, the, the Old Testament, when it was originally written, it was written in Hebrew. And the New Testament, when it was originally written, it was written in Greek. So understand the reason that a lot of times it's good to go back and trace those because as things switch from language to language, they get lost in translation. I don't know if you know this, but I remember in uh, Spanish 2, Ms. Miller's, I think her, you know, I seen her the other day and I accidentally called her Ms. Miller. She's married now and I can't pronounce her last name, but I was like, yeah, I was like, hey, Ms. Miller. I was, hey, that's what I did. Hey, how you doing? But I remember, uh, you know, I didn't learn a whole lot in Spanish 2. It wasn't her fault. It was, I just, I'm, when it comes to other languages, I don't comprehend much. Okay. I just, I know the language I was born to speak. You know, uh, one of my friends, one of my, fun, my friends, we, uh, we went to a young adult thing years ago 
and they did this personality bingo. And one of the squares was, you know, uh, find somebody that's bilingual. And I just, I don't know why, but I just said, I'll tell this story, but I had the, had the unction just to ask him, I was like, hey, Matt, can you speak multiple languages? Are you bilingual? He gripped his Bible, he says, does tons count? And I was like, <laughs> So I was like, you know what, brother? Show does. So I put him down, you know. <laughs> that's the, so English and the, and the Holy Spirit, that's the only language, I, the only two languages I got. So if that's the case, I am bilingual. But I, I'm like, that's right, match. That's right, we some bilingual brothers. All right. But when it came to Spanish, too, I just didn't, I didn't comprehend it very good. And I, I remember a few vocabulary words, but there's one lesson she taught us. And, I, you know, back then I knew why she taught us because we would have this temptation. And back then it was very tempting to go on the Internet and, you know, you take, especially when she would give us homework, we take the Spanish uh, homework, we type it out on the computer because back then Google Translate was just starting. You type it on there and type in the sentence and then hit translate and then you can understand what it was. So what we would try to do, we would, I love y'all, all right, don't judge me. It's covered under the blood. We would take, we would, you know, we would have to, we were supposed to write you know, a certain sentence in Spanish. We go on there, we write it in English, hit the translate button, it translated to Spanish. We're like, oh, that's it. Boom, boom, boom. I'm going to pass this. Woo! And I remember she, uh, you know, when she's explaining all this to us, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm remembering it. I'm like, oh, why is she telling us this? Like, I'm about to go do it. I don't know why she's telling us. And she said, now, class, watch what happens when you translate it from Spanish back to English. And I'm like, what do you mean watch? It's, I mean, it's, it's going to sound like we talk. Like, sh like, how long did you go to school? Where did you go to school at? <laughs> you know. So she, she hits the button to translate it from Spanish back to English, and it's all jumbled up. The adjectives are on different sides of the sentence and all these different things. And she used that to teach us that when you translate from one language to another, a lot of things get lost in translation. Jeez. And I was like, oh, snap. And unfortunately, that's what's happened with the Bible over the years, where it's first written in Greek. Over the years, things have, getting lo have gotten lost in translation. I said that to say this. You know, we read in verse 4 where it said, He chose us to be his very own, joining us to himself, even before he laid the foundation of the universe. We see that he chose us before he laid the foundation of the universe. That's how we understand it. But in the Greek, literally, watch this. The word chose, is, uh, it derives from lego, which means to speak. So when it says he chose us, he spoke us. Now watch this. The word, uh, the word foundation, it, it's the same word in the Greek for the word fall or falling down. But it's not talking about a tripping over yourself or tripping over somebody else. It's talking about Adam's fall. So the word foundation in the Greek is really translated as Adam's fall. So really, verse 4, it reads like this. It reads, Abba chose us to be a word before the fall of the world, before Adam's fall. Now, you know, it, it's, that word chose means to speak or spoken. And, you know, we understand God creates by speaking things into existence. You know, Zephaniah 3.17, he sings your name. He sings you. He sings. He rejoices over you with songs. He sings you. But watch this. So if the, if, the, if the word chose is to speak and the word foundation is talking about Adam's fall, then really you and I were spoken into existence before Adam fell. Your identity, your true identity. Mom was asking me, what are, we, what are we talking about this Sunday? And I couldn't even encapsulate. I couldn't get it all because even as I'm saying this, it still blows my mind. So really, watch this. Really who you are, your true identity is defined by what God spoke before the fall. He, he thought of you and he spoke you into his, He created you before Adam's fall. So therefore, your true identity has no sin conscience. Your true identity knows no sin. Why? Because you were created before sin was ever even thought of. 
before sin ever came about. So therefore, when we say our true identity, our trueness, it's one that is free of sin. It's one that's free of shame. It's one that's free of anxiety, free of guilt, free of, free of comparison, free of covetousness, free of jealousy. Why? Because those things didn't exist when God created us before Adam, decided, Adam and Eve decided to sin by disobeying God. Your true identity uh, it has no consciousness of sin because it was created before the fall. It was created before sin. I know this is, I know this is mind-blowing. Some of y'all may be like, what is? No, we just read it. You were chosen. You were spoke into existence before the foundation of the world. Before Adam and Eve ate of the I am not tree, God has spoke to you, and he was already, you, oh, you are already not only thought of, you are spoken, and we see God creates by speaking. So your true identity, the version he sees, he sees the whole version. Yeah. He doesn't see the broken version that came after they disobeyed God and broke the world in a sense. No, he sees the whole version of you. God. Somebody say distort. distort. So distort means the act of twisting or, or altering something out of its true, natural, or original state. Distort means to twist something or to alter it. If you distort something out of context, you're twisting it. You're taking the truth and twisting it. You're altering it into something that's not fully true. See, sin, a.k.a. the fall of man, was the result of Satan twisting and distorting how Adam and Eve, watch this, view their relationship with God and their self-worth. They disobey God, which is called sin. They disobey God because they, their, their, their understanding of their relationship with God and their understanding of their self-worth was twisted by one question. Satan asked them this one question that caused them to ask themselves, or not caused them to ask themselves, but caused them to see God as a God that was withholding himself from them. Jesus. And the reason this is, that, you know, that God wasn't withholding himself from them, because the Bible says that he said, let us make man in our image. He didn't say, let us make man in a part of our image. He didn't say, Holy Spirit, Jesus, we're going we're gonna to take a 30 y'all and we're going to make this little man right here. We'll call him Adam. Noah says that we were created in the fullness of the triune God. We were created in the image, the full image of God. But Satan, he was able to twist their view of their relationship with God and twist their view of their self-worth by asking them, are you really like God? Because if, you, if you're really like God, you can eat of this. You can do this. I, I, you know, God forgives me, so I, I, you know, I, 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 it ain't going to hurt nobody. I'm going to do it. You know, but God understands. They made me mad. I had to tell them. Somebody had to tell them. They've been walking in all this. Somebody had to let them know. Somebody had to let them know. You know, there's a curse word in the Bible. Jesus understands why I had to do it. You know, they, they were in my lane. I'm, I'm trying to get to church. They should they should have come in. Jesus knows why I had to do it. <laughs> you know, Jesus understands. We laugh because, you know, we might, we might be on the, on the, in that sentence somewhere. <laughs> I was working yesterday. I'm delivering the mail. I'm like, you know, people, uh, there, there is this, yeah, this line of traffic coming around me, and I'm getting ready to pull out. Somebody is, and I'm like, <laughs> like, I had a swipe. I don't know if y'all remember that, but I remember I had these letters in my hand. I pulled them, pull them down my lap, and I had a swipe because I could see my flesh being like, Jesus, they see the logo on the car. They know. Respect the logo, you know. <laughs> Respect the mail care. I could have, you know. I'm like, all right, Lord, I'm a swipe. 
But as I'm swiping, I'm like, Lord, you know what I want to say. <laughs> Jesus, you know. I'm, glad, I'm just saying, I'm acknowledging that you know that I know that you know. I mean, like, nobody else is in the car with me and him, so I can say that. I'm like, you know, God. I said, so, Lord, I ain't saying, but what I'm saying, you know, take care of it. You know, just let them know that time they see me, you know, respect. <laughs> I'm like, Lord, they want these magazines. <laughs> these little gossip magazines that you probably can't get at Walmart because they ain't got nothing in stock anymore. They better respect this. Like, these farmers want these co-op magazines. They better calm it down, <laughs> you know. Like, let them, <laughs> I'll just let you know the things, my prayer with God in the car yesterday. You know, and uh, essentially, you know, God humbled me, and I, humbled me, and I'm like, you know, at the end of the day, Lord, thank you. I still have life. There's no accidents. But that's, the, that's as, as funny as it could be, that's a simple twisting or distorting of our perspective. You know, Adam and Eve, they sinned because they, they saw God differently. They saw God in a distorted view and in a distorted lens and a twisted lens. And they thought, man, I thought we were creating the image of God. He's withholding things from us because if... If, if he wasn't withholding, then we could have eaten of that tree. And that's, you know, here we are. But, you know, like I said earlier, we were created. Your true identity was, the, uh, it was created before the fall. So you, your true identity has no conscience of sin. Has no conscience of sin. Adam and Eve, they sinned by disobeying God because they thought God was withholding from them. When all actuality, they were just like you and I. They were created in the fullness, image, and likeness of the triune God. See, the entire fall, fall in quotations, it was literally the entire fall. It was just a falling away in our minds from our true identity as image and likeness bearers of Elohim. When Adam and Eve fell and we inherited all that, it was a falling away in our minds from our true identity. Because our true identity looks just like Jesus. Our true identity is created in the image and likeness of Elohim. And just like Eve, we all have been deceived to believe a lie about ourselves. Just like Adam and Eve, we've all been deceived to believe a lie about ourselves. And guess what? Those lies, when we, when we eat them, that's, that's, that's you and I eating from the I am not tree. Somebody say the I am not tree. See, the I am not true, we've all eaten of it before. You, you may be like, I ain't no I am not true. Oh, yeah, we've eaten of the I am not true. You know, the moment when we're like, you know, I'm not that good. Or I'm, I'm not worthy of this. I'm not worthy of that. I, I didn't read my Bible, so, yeah, God has, God's not going to bless me. Or, or I, you know, I, I, I forgot to pay my tithes, so why should I ask him to heal me of this sickness? Or, you know, I didn't, I didn't go to, I didn't grow up in church, so why should I spend it? And instantly we're, we're eating from the I am not tree is, is partaking of all those lies and, and eating them and inhaling them and meditating on them but believing them and allow them to grow within us. Adam and Eve, they ate of the I am not tree long before they partook of the tree they weren't supposed to. They ate of the I am not tree by feeding into the lie that God was withholding from them. Feeding into that lie. Feeding into that lie. That's what it looks like to eat from the I am not tree. And watch this. Lies that you're, uh, you know, partaking of the I am not tree is by believing the lies that you see with a distorted identity. You'll believe lies if you see God wrongly. You'll believe he's withholding things from you if you don't see him as the good father that we saw in Luke chapter 15. You know, going back to Luke chapter 15, you know, those two sons, one son thought that, okay, if I can just be a worker, then my father will accept me. 
So therefore, he had a distorted identity. He saw that he can that he can he can appease his father and he can earn back into his good graces. The other son thought, okay, if I keep working hard enough, I'm a, I'm a, if I can maintain what I already got, then I'll never lose it. If I, if I just keep working, if I keep, I, 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 I. So both sons, they were, you know, metaphorically, they were eating from the I am not tree, thinking that their works were going to keep them in good graces with God or keep them in good graces with the father. When the father runs to the end of the road and calls the son, his son, and the father tells the other son, everything I've had, it's always been yours. Why? Because you're my son and I'm your father. All that I have is yours. I love unconditionally. The I, am, the I am not tree, believing those lies allows you to see God as a conditional God. And I'm here to tell you, God is not a conditional God. God is reshaping our, our identity. Why? Because we need to move past seeing him as a conditional God and understand he is unconditional in his love. He's unconditional in his grace. He is unconditional in his mercy. He's unconditional in his protection and his healing. He's unconditional in all these things. Does that mean we live the way we want to do? No, no, no. It means because he's unconditional, because he's doing all this. Oh, man, God, you've done so much for me. Lord, let me live for you. Let me let me love like you love. Let me talk like you talk. Let me let me empathize for humanity the same way you did. Let me let me let me uh, put myself less. Let me let me let me be second. Let me be third in order to push people ahead. Why? Because you've done it for me. Amen. So lies that, that come from the I am not tree, lies that you're not worth being loved, lies that you can't receive the spirit of wisdom because you lack education, or, or the lies that you'll be poor the rest of your life because God wants you to have a thorn in your flesh. I remember growing up hearing certain preachers say that, you know, well, you know, this is the thorn in your flesh. God wants you to have a thorn in your flesh. No, God don't. God don't want you to have a thorn in your flesh. Jesus' flesh was pierced so your flesh wouldn't be. Jesus was bruised so you wouldn't have to be. Amen. Jesus went to the belly of the earth so we wouldn't have to. Amen. So we could have the opportunity to accept him into our heart and live eternity with God. Woo! You, you, do, do you feel that shift? That's, that, that's, that's him reshaping you seeing who he really is. I don't know, but I don't know if you noticed, but every song we sang, there was a common theme which was, I am who you say I am. See, that's the songs that Adam and Eve should have been singing before, you know, and then maybe it would have worked out differently. When, Eve, when, when the devil told them and tried to get them to see that God was withholding from them, no, 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 I, I am who the I am says I am. I'm, I'm created in the fullness of God. I am who you say I am. You know, I used to tell this to youth kids, but, you know, I'm going to tell it to adults. Maybe you need to take a sticky note. Sticky notes are, are our friends as mail carriers. But take a sticky note to write, I am who you say I am. And put that on your mirror. Put it in your purse or, or, or make a screenshot and put it as the wallpaper on your phone. That way, every time you go to look and you see a reflection of yourself, oh, no, I don't, I don't see me. I see who the I am says I am. I see who Jesus says I am. I see who the father says I am. I see somebody that is worth being loved unconditionally, no matter what he's been through, no matter what she's been through. Da, da, da. I, I am who you say I am. I'm a recipient of the champion. I'm a, I, I, I'm a recipient of the man uh, who uh, if, if he, every word that he says, I can believe it. Why? Because he's a man of his word. 
I am who you say I am. I am who you say I am. Somebody says, I am who you say I am. Shoo. Mm-mm-mm. Does anybody get anything this morning? Amen. Now watch this. Every lie that the enemy tries to convince you of is based from the lie that Abba is withholding parts of himself from you. I'll say it again. Every lie that the enemy convinces you of or tries to, tries to trick you in, tries to trap you in, it can be traced back to the lie, the very first lie, which is Abba is withholding himself from you. Like, do you call God Abba a lot? Yeah, because he's a father. Not a father, he's the father. Amen. He's my heavenly father. He's my heavenly father. Every lie that the enemy will try to trap you with, try to convince you with, can be traced back to the lie that says that Abba is withholding parts of himself from you. I said it earlier and I'll say it again. I'm here to tell you Abba does not withhold himself from you. You know, y'all, everybody that's married or in a relationship, you remember when you first met, uh, first met your significant other, you know, you weren't going full all out. You know, you weren't letting them see, you know, the, the, the ratchet side of you yet. You was all pristine, you know, caked up, maked up, you know, all these different things. Not me, though. Oh, no. No. Not me. I don't know if you've ever heard Kelsey tell the story, but I remember uh, when I was getting ready to go meet her, her and her family, and thinking back on it, I don't know what I was thinking. I'm just going to, we're going to give that disclaimer. All right, give that disclaimer. But um, I was getting ready to go meet uh, her parents, her and her parents, and it was me, uh, one of my friends, Corey, and one of my friends, uh, Tristan. Lord bless them, rest in peace. But uh, we, was, we was traveling, I think Nick was with us too, I think. And uh, we was going up to uh, Bristol, Virginia. To, uh, to a church service, and Kelsey, was, she was in an internship at that church, and I was, it was supposed to be, they had this revival and all that, and um, her parents were there, they had come so they could meet me, you know, so, uh, you know, it's church service, you know, you dress up a little bit, so, you know, we was, in back in that year, back in that era, you know, people were kind of moving away from the suits and ties, but they were, they were moving towards the khakis and button-ups, so, I mean, we hadn't fully got to what you see now. But, you know, we, we was on the progression. And I remember, I'm like, you know what? If she going to set to me, if they going to set me, they got to set all of me. <laughs> so I had a fro back then. Had a, uh, had a, no, 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 it was still low cut. So it was low cut. And um, I, had a, I, had a, I put on some baggy pants. Why, why don't you cringe, Ashley? Don't you cringe? <laughs> had on some bag, I put on some baggy pants, put on my nicest pair of Reeboks, cleaned them junks up, put them on. Had some big old baggy pants, had my South Pole shirt that was two sizes too big. <laughs> Had a, had a blinged out watch, look nice though. My watch was on point. I mean, all the, and the colors matched. So it wasn't like I just, you know, looked like I didn't have a home. But, I'm just, <laughs> but all the colors matched, I was like, oh man. So here we go, and you know, Corey goes in and finds a seat or whatever. So then I send T in, cause T's dressed nice. I send, I send him in first, you know, second. Like, you go in. <laughs> And then, so everybody's thinking, T's the guy that Kelsey's supposed to be with. So here I come in, I just chill it, you know, like, woo, and worship going. I'm like going in, woo, y'all, what's up? And we, we always talk about it now, like, Lindsay, what was you thinking? <laughs> what in the world was you thinking? I was like, my, my premise was, you know, if they're going to set me, they got to see all of me, accept all of me, you know. You know, whether from the button up to the baggie, you know, accept all of me. 
you know, if you're in a, if you've ever been in a relationship or whatever, your first your first time, you know, you the first day you're not you're not doing what I did. You know, you're not like, you know, oh, they're going to they're going to see the corn rolls or the hair roll, the you know, the they're going they're going to see the the nightcap on your head and all that. No, you 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 make sure you're pressed, made up, caped up, iron pressed and all that stuff. You know, and you know, and then eventually, as the relationship goes, then you start to let them uncover and see different pieces and who you truly are and all this at home. But when it comes to your relationship with God, God isn't up in heaven being like, okay, you know, if they had said to me, all right, so I'm going to let them see this part right here. No, they ain't going to let them see all this, all of heaven that we got going on, just just a little bit at a time. You know, in order to teach them a lesson, in order to make them hungry, in order to make them grow, in order to make them, in order to propagate them more. No, no, no. You receive all that he has. God does not withhold one thing from you Amen. of himself. Amen. I'm going to say that again. God does not withhold one ounce of himself from you. In fact, his goal is to take you from glory to glory to glory. If his goal is to take you from glory to glory, why, why do we believe the lies that, oh, man, God is withholding from us because I didn't do a certain thing? And that's, and that's what it looked like for the serpent when he talked to Adam and Eve. They, for some reason, they forgot that they were created in the image of God. They forgot that if they could look in, if they could look at the rivers and see themselves, they would see a reflection of who Elohim was. And that's ultimately, that's the lie of the enemy. That's the trick of that. If he could get you to believe that you are not who God says you are, you know what's going to happen? You will have a distorted identity. And you'll begin to stumble and bumble throughout life. Why? Because you're not seeing clearly who God has always saw you and sees you as, uh, sees who you are now. Shadron, <clears throat> mm. will you pull up First Peter chapter one again? I want to go to verse 18. In the New Living Translation, we'll read 18 through 21. I am who you say I am. Mm. Isn't it awesome that the champion is the one that declares who we are? Doesn't say the second, the second place loser. You know that. You know, second place we always say first place loser, but it doesn't say you know the defeated God. It doesn't say Job who went through all that he went through. It doesn't say Job declares who you are. It says the champion. The champion declares who we are. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 through, we'll read 18 through 21, the New Living. Watch this. Peter says, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. Mm. For you know, somebody say, I know. God paid a ransom to save me from the empty life you inherit, I inherited from my ancestors. And it was not paid with the mere gold or silver, which lose their value. <clears throat> I'm going to go to verse 19. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. <clears throat> we'll go first. Yeah. God chose him as your ransom long. What, there's that phrase again, long before the world began. So not only was you created before the fall of man, your redemption was, that whole plan was already worked out before. Long before the world began, but now in these last days, he has been revealed for your sake, verse 21, 
through Christ, you have come to trust in God and you have placed your faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. Will you go back up to verse 18, please? <clears throat> For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. I want to read verse 18 in the mirror translation. Listen to this. It is clear to see that you were ransomed from the futile, fallen mindset that you inherited from your fathers. This was not concluded by the currency of your own labor, represented by the fluctuation values of gold and silver, silver and the economy of your religious efforts. Verse 19, listen to this. But you were redeemed with the priceless blood of Jesus. He is the ultimate sacrifice, spotless and without blemish. Jesus completes the prophetic picture. Jesus completes the prophetic picture. In him, in Jesus, God speaks the most radical, scapegoat language of the law of judgment and brings final closure to a dead and redundant system. See, the dead and redundant system, it was the, it was the law of religion or the spirit of religion. It was the, it was the Mosaic covenant, the covenant that required your performance in order for God to bless you. Your performance in order for God to heal you. But really, when God created that covenant, he created it to show them that, hey, these are my standards and you can't meet them. You need me. But instead, because we were operating out of a distorted view, we saw those standards. Oh, I can't meet this. OK, I'm, I'm going to come up with a way to try to keep it on my own. I'm going to come up with my own, my own motivation in order to love my neighbor the right way. I'm going to come up with my own motivation in order to not murder. I'm going to come up with my own. And as mankind came up with their own motivation to keep these Ten Commandments, they essentially came up with hundreds and hundreds of rules in order to keep one commandment. Don't eat of certain meats. Don't do this. Don't do that. If you have a rebellious son and they try to come back, you must stone them. All these different things just to try to meet God's standard. When God was saying, this is my standard, you need me to keep it. Amen. Invite me into your life so I can help you keep it. Yes. So watch this. <clears throat> Jesus, God speaks the most radical scapegoat language of the law of judgment and brings final closure to a dead and redundant system. This is the scandal of the cross. And we'll talk about it next week as well. This is the scandal of the cross. You know, a scandal, a scandal is something that is, is scandalous. It's scandalous. It's something that, sh that, that shouldn't be happening, but it's happening. This is the scandal of the cross. God does not demand a sacrifice that would change the way he thinks about us. He provides the sacrifice of himself in Jesus. Watch this. In order to forever eradicate sin consciousness from our minds and radically change the way we think about our maker, one another and ourselves. The whole work of the cross, God didn't do that in order for him to see us better. God, God, Jesus went to the cross so we can see God who he truly is. So we can see him as the father that's in Luke chapter 15, the father that loves unconditionally. So we can see and love our neighbors. So we can love ourselves the right way. So we can have that true identity restored. How can something be redeemed if the original state was never there to begin with? So if you and I have been redeemed, that means, that means that our true identity was always there in the beginning. We had just fallen away from it. So when Jesus redeemed us, he redeemed your mind back to a mind that has no conscience of sin. A mind that could be free of guilt, a mind that could be free of anxiety, a mind that could be, be free of when people shame us or people rumor, uh, tell rumors about us. A mind that isn't trapped by those things. Why? Because you and I, once again, you and I were created before sin was ever thought of. So watch this. Your true self, 
When you say, God, restore, when you say, God, help me to operate in my true identity. You're saying, okay, Lord, help me not to, help me not to be ridden by sin. Help me not to be, help me not to be trapped by, by guilt and shame. Help me not to be trapped by insecurity. Help me that when people talk about me, I'm able to just push it aside and not, and not give fruit to it, not pour gasoline on it. Lord, help me that when the, when the blows of life come, that I don't well in them, I don't wallow in them, but I keep my mind pers- uh, persistent and stayed on you. Lord, help me to be focused on you. Lord, help me to have the, the realities of heaven be the, 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 the things I see through my mind the the filter that I live my life through Lord that true identity how you truly created me that's that's how I want to operate in my life that's how I want to operate in my life and that's the way God intended it to be that's the way God intended it to be seeing consciousness is in essence a work-based consciousness a seeing consciousness means that you are focused on what you're what you're not doing in order to achieve something Okay, sure. I know, I know the plan, you know, I know the word says that God has plans for me to live and prosper and all these things, but you know, man, I I ain't paid as much in my time that I I paid last year, or I ain't read as much, or I ain't been as friendly as the people as I should have been, or, you know, I know God has a spouse for me, but you know, I doubt him a lot. So is he really going to provide that? That's what sin conscience looks like. Knowing that God, knowing God's standards and instead of you inviting God to help you with those standards, instead you start measuring yourself and seeing where you don't fall into place. That's the life that you're not meant to live. That would like me being saying, okay, Kellen, daddy has all these different things for you. Now you need to jump through all these hoops in order to make them happen. Kellen, you see this whole aisle of Pop-Tart Bites? I'm doing Keenan. Keenan, you see these new Pop-Tart Bites? Buddy, now you got to make sure you and I give him 10 different things he's got to do in order to get those Pop-Tart Bites versus, hey, Keenan, I bought these Pop-Tart Bites because I love them and I, I love you and I know you love them. Here you go, son. That's the life we're meant to live in Christ. To where we know that, oh, God, this oxygen in my body, you're doing it because, not because I owe you anything, but because you, you, you love me. Lord, this job, it may not be the best job, but it's, it's, it's part of the season. Why? Because you, you've provided it for me. And if you're providing something else, it's not, because, it's not because you're sick and tired of hearing my prayers. It's because you love me and you want the best for me. Yeah. Oh, God, everything I have in my life, you're not doing it because of obligation. You're doing it because you love. Because you love. Yes, because I love. Hallelujah. When we can get that revelation, guess what? The traps of the enemy will walk right over them. When the rumors come, we'll just let them roll right off our back. When the insecurities come in like a flood, we'll, we'll direct the Holy Spirit to raise a standard up against it. The life that you were meant to live was to be a life that was free of sin conscience, free of looking at yourself and seeing where you don't measure up. And I know this is a hard pill to swallow. I know it's a different pill to swallow. And I'm even talking to myself because there are days where I'm like, Lord, I don't, I don't feel like I measure up to what you want me to be. Or, Lord, I don't feel like I measure up to the type of father the kids need. Or I don't feel like I do. Nah, nah, nah. And we all go through those seasons. But that's fruit from the I am not tree. When you recognize those thoughts, don't give in to them. Because that's, that's the devil trying to show you who you're not. But at the end of the day, it, uh, who you're not isn't the, that's not the point. You are who he says you are. If you don't get anything else today, you need to understand, I am who God says I am. 
I am who the Holy Spirit said. I am who Jesus says I am. Watch this. I am the one that Jesus died for on the cross in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. I, the fact that I have accepted him, joined into his family, he has joy about that. Joy about that. I am who you say I am. And the fact that he said it, hey, you know where I'm going with it. If he said it, guess what, church? You can, you can go to the bank on it. You can believe it. Because if, his, if there's any, if there's point, point one, one, one percent of falseness in his words, heaven and earth will pass away. So therefore, what he spoke about you, if heaven and earth hasn't passed away, that means it's got to be true. It's got to be true. And all else is a lie. All else is a lie. Listen, Abba knew you and chose you long ago. Here, let me, uh, can we read verse 19 one more time? Sorry. Oh, sweet. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. So I read part of it in the mirror translation. But watch this, <clears throat> or listen to this. God did not clothe Adam with the skin of an animal because of a divine need to be appeased. When Adam and Eve, they saw themselves naked, God didn't put the clothes, and I promise I'm closing. God didn't put the animal skin on them because he was like, ah, you sin, how dare you? God saw Adam and Eve the same way that he saw them before they fell. He put the skins of the animal on because they saw themselves through a distorted identity, and they were disgusted with what they saw. They were disgusted. And watch this. But because of their unconditional love for, because of God's unconditional love for Adam, he spoke the language of Adam's own judgment. Adam, not God, Adam was embarrassed, not God, about his nakedness. The clothing was not to make God look at Adam differently, but to make Adam feel better about himself. And ultimately, it was to prophetically prepare Adam for the unveiling of the mystery of mankind's redemption in the incarnation. Here, in verse 19, here, uh, we see deity would clothe themselves in a human skin, in a son, and the Lion of Judah would become the Lamb of God in order to free our minds to rediscover his image and likeness in our skin. Watch this. I, I ain't going to say watch this, but just, just let that marinate. As when, when God put the skins of the animal upon Adam and Eve, it was prophetically letting them know that, hey, there's going to come a time years later that, guess what, I'm going to wrap myself right back around you again. But not just you, all of mankind. All of mankind. But it's not just going to be me. It's going to be me. It's going to be me. The Son, the Holy Spirit, it's going to be all of us wrapping ourselves right back again. And we're going to be right back once. One, wholeness. One and wholeness. But listen, the Lion of Judah became the Lamb of God in order. This is a spoiler alert for next week. So please make sure you're here next week because God's doing it. But the Lion of Judah will become the Lamb of God in order to free our minds. To rediscover his image and his likeness in the person that you see in the mirror. In the person that you see in the mirror. Which is shade, if you don't mind, will you go back to verse 2? All that said brings us back to 1 Peter 1, verse 2, and I'm closing, which is this. God the Father knew you and chose you long ago, and his spirit has made you holy. His spirit has made you holy. As a result, you have obeyed him and have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more grace and peace. You have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Let me better say it this way. Abba knew you chose you and spoke you long ago 
Abba knew you, and he spoke you before sin, before the fall of man. And his spirit has made you holy as a result. You have obeyed him and have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Watch this. The blood of Jesus cleanses you from its removal of every distortion and stain of sin. The blood of Jesus, it cleanses you from every distortion, that distorted, that, that twisting, how we see ourselves twisted and, and not fully like God, how we see ourselves not fully accepted by Abba. Well, Lindsay, you don't know, you don't know my past, Lindsay. My parents, my, I didn't come from the best home where I didn't, I didn't this, I didn't that, I didn't, I didn't. I'm pretty sure, guess what? Jesus came from Nazareth. And if you ever read the Gospels, people say, can anything good come from Nazareth? So therefore, Jesus didn't come from the best circumstances. Who, how, how many in here was born in a manger? Let me better say this. This, this is the, the not, PG, not the PG version. How many in here was born in a feeding trough? You know, where I work, I, I get to see feeding troughs. And it hit me one day as I'm, as I'm taking a package to a box or taking a package to a door uh, near this barn. And I'm looking and there's some animals eating in this feeding trough. And I'm like, God. I'm thinking, I'm like, I would never. I, Lord, I, I couldn't imagine. Most of us in here, hopefully all of us, would imagine putting our babies in a feeding trough. You know, we you know, go to the hospital, have a but At the end of the day, Jesus was born in a feeding trough, in a manger, in a barn. Wasn't no Lysol. Wasn't no Clorox. If you like me, ah, ah, you know, ah, you know, you know, trying to, did they have, if I was back then, I would have been trying to find some white vinegar. Hold on, Mary. You got to hold on. White vinegar, this bad boy. Like, you know. I'm pretty sure Jesus was born in some rough circumstances. And still it says that the blood of Jesus cleanses and removes every distortion. How you, the, how you see yourself as not fully accepted by God. Every distortion. He, he, he sees that. He redeems us, he cleanses us, he removes it from us, and he removes, he removes the stain of sin. Watch this in 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. You don't have to turn that, I'm just going to read it. But 1 John chapter 1, verse 7 says, The blood of Jesus Christ is the removal of every distortion of sin. Every distortion of sin. Every distortion of sin. Every distortion of sin. The blood of Jesus. And we read in 1 Peter that, it, that it, we are cleansed by the blood. Hallelujah. So therefore, watch this. You have the right, you have the opportunity to see yourself as whole. Jesus. You have the right, you have the opportunity to see yourself as whole. Amen? Amen. So sin, I've said this before, said this several times, but understand this. The Greek word for sin is hamartia, which means uh, the ha in hamartia. Ha means without and martia comes from the word miros or form. So to be without form or to or to be without allotted portion, pointing to a distorted identity. So sin is to live out of context with the blueprint of one's design to behave out of tune with God's original harmony. I'm going to say that again because it's a lot. Sin to, to, to live in sin, to give into sin is to live out of contents. Uh, out of context with the blueprint of one's design it's to live in a sin is to behave out of tune with God's original harmony without out of tune out of God's original harmony so I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you a way to counter distorted identity I'm give you a way to 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 counter to to I'm gonna give you application one application one application I'm gonna give you application then I'll give you reading materials 
But we've been talking about how we have been, uh, we were created before the fall of sin. We were created before the fall of man. Our true identity has no sin consciousness. We have the power to operate in that. We have the power to walk in that. We have the power to see our lives through that. The way we do so, the way we do so is by this. You ready? It's, 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 yeah. I ain't even gonna, I ain't gonna build it up. Choosing, here's how we do it. Choose to see your life and everything. We'll say it again. Choose to see your life and everything. Somebody say everything. everything. Choose to see your life and everything that concerns you exclusively from Abba's point of view. And that's it. Choose to see, this is how you do everything we've talked about today. Choose to see your life and everything in your life through God's point of view. Well, Lindsay, what's God's point of view? God sees you the way that you were created before Adam's fall. So God sees you as whole. God doesn't see you as an awkward, insecure, ruthless person. No, God sees you as whole. God doesn't see the, the version that you beat yourself up over. God doesn't see the, you know, we ladies, ladies put on makeup. Why? Because you, there's certain things that we want to withhold from everybody else, withhold from the public eye. God doesn't see you as somebody that needs that. God doesn't, you know, men, we, there's certain things that we keep, we keep close to the chest because we don't want the public eye knowing, not because, not because they're super dark or, or deep, but because we may be ashamed or embarrassed. God doesn't see you with the need to be embarrassed. God sees who you truly are whole and bearing his image bearing his likeness amen god sees you as whole amen in order to do what we've talked about today you have to choose to see your life choose to see your life and everything in your life through abba's point of view Abba's point of view. Well, Lindsay, I don't know Abba's point of view. Well, guess what? You have the opportunity to pray and ask, say, okay, Lord, and, and, and take it slow. Take it slow. I, I'll be honest. A lot of my prayers like, okay, Lord, what's your point of view on these kids? <laughs> Lord, what's your point of view on these kids? Because I know my nerves point of view. <laughs> Lord, I'm at, when I'm at work, Lord, what's, especially when I'm at work, Lord, what's your point of view on this job? Because I know my point of view. Lord, it's, it's 10 o'clock and I'm missing my kid's game. Lord, what's your point of view on this job? For some of y'all, Lord, what's your point of view on my family? Lord, because I, I know I got these cousins or I got this aunt or uncle. I got the, I got, we all got those. Lord, what's your point of view, Abba? Abba, Abba, Lord, Abba, Father, what's your point of view? Lord, Abba, what's your point of view on my marital status or my singleness or my relationship? Lord, what's your point of view? Father, Father, what, what's your point of view on where I'm living? What's your, watch this, what's your point of view on my position in this community? What's your point of view on my position at work? Why have you put me on the job that you've put me? Why have you put me in the family that you placed me in? Lord, why did you have me go through all that I've gone through? Lord, what, what's your point of view on my life? Whatever your point of view is, Lord, give that to me to see. Just keep your prayers that simple. Lord, what's your point of view? And then fill in the blank and then follow up with, give me that point of view to see my life. Lord, because I don't want to look, I don't want to look through a distorted lens anymore. I don't want to look through something that's not fully true anymore. Lord, I want truth. The Bible says that it's the truth that sets us what? What kind of truth do you think he's talking about? He's talking about the point of view, 
that God sees you as. Paul said in Colossians 3 verse 1 and 2, he said, uh, he said, become aware with the realities of heaven. The realities of heaven. I started adjusting my prayer when I pray for people. I'm like, Lord, as it is in heaven, especially if somebody's like, Lindsay, I'm sick with this. Okay, well, Lord, that doesn't exist in heaven. So right now, Lord, let that reality become the reality in this person's body. Imagine if that became our, our prayers. The moment that the headache came on, Lord, there's no headaches in heaven. So let the reality of what's in heaven, let that be the reality right now in my body. Lord, there's no stress. There's no strife. There's no lack that's going on. In heaven. So let that the, let that the, be uh, the reality in my bank account in order so I don't have to stress and strive and, and wonder and have sleepless nights. What what ways are going to be made or what's going to we're going to go without this or that in order for things to. No, 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 Lord. Lord, what's your point of view? What's your point of view? What's your point of view on the future, God? Lord, there's, there's wars that are breaking out. There's, there's things that are going overseas. There, uh, my big, one of my big, can I just be honest? As a parent, you know, I'm pretty sure those, y'all can relate, but as, as parents of small kids, I'm, I'm constantly worried about their identity as they grow. You know, because we now live in a world where that if you don't like your identity, you can change it. And what's crazy about that is we understand that's that's very obvious, a twisting of the truth, which is our true identity is created in the triune God. And there's nothing within God that that you need to change because God is perfect. So what would be the opposite of perfect? Imperfect, which is what the world says. Well, if you see yourself as imperfect, what you know what that sounds like? Sounds like, well, if if you really were created in the image of God. You can eat of this tree. See how he's already done it. We and we didn't even know. Well, if you don't like your identity, if you if you don't like your gender, you can just change it. Even if if you don't think you're like God, just go eat of that tree. Then you'll be like God. You don't like who you are. Go change it. Then you'll be who you really were supposed to be. And here's the biggest thing. God was never the one asking them, do you like your identity? Do you like who you look like? Do you like how whole you are? He never asked that, but why? Because there was no question that needed to be asked because they were fully whole and fully accepted. But the enemy tricked them to believe in that God was withholding things from them. The enemy will trick you to think that God is withholding. You're broke because God is withholding different things. Your van is breaking down because God is trying to teach you a lesson. Your kids are wilding because God is trying to teach you more patience. The Bible says that it rains on the just and the unjust. There are some things that just happen in life. But we have to understand that just because things happen in life doesn't mean that we attribute them to that's God doing what God does. No, 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 no. When things start to happen in life, the, the safest thing you could do is say, okay, Lord, this is what's happening in my life. I don't know how to view it. How do you view it and show me that? Show me how to view it so I don't make a, so I don't make a, uh, so, I, so I don't eat of the I am not tree and base my life off of that. Lord, show me. Lord, show me. Every day I'm asking him, Lord, show me. And sometimes my prayers are the same. Lord, show me how to be the right dad. Lord, show me how to be the right dad. Lord, show me how to be the right coworker. Lord, show me how to raise these kids that, can, that they can trust and rely on you all the days of their life. And so they don't question who they are. They don't question their identity. They know that I am the beloved of God. 
so that not only when they're five, they can sing all my life, you have been faithful, but when they're 35, 55, 105, they can still sing all my life, you have been faithful. And they believe it in their heart. You are who God says you are. He has crowned you with confidence. And that's what the devil's going to do as you walk out these doors. He's going to try to take that crown of confidence off. And it's not going to be an obvious, you know, somebody coming up and just jabbing the crown off of you. No. If somebody come do that, you better throw them hands right back. I'm just joking. Don't do it. Don't do it. What would Jesus do? But I'm saying stand guard because guess what? The enemy is coming to rob you of your confidence. He's coming to rob you of your firm foundation. He's going to try to make you think that he has the power to do it, but he doesn't. He does not. Somebody say he does not. Your firm foundation is, should be based on, I'm created and fully accepted by God. Perfect shalom, nothing missing, nothing broken. I am fully accepted by God. I am fully loved by God.